Interested in taking a deep dive each week into a compliance or compliance-related topic? Then Compliance Into the Weeds is the podcast for you. Join Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, and Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, as they go into the weeds to flesh out a story which you can use to better inform your compliance program. Both you and your compliance program will be the better for listening to this podcast. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. In this episode, Matt Kelly and I take a deep dive into the Trump administration's attempt to eviscerate U.S. Postal Service. It turns out there are multiple lessons to be learned for the compliance practitioner and around corporate governance. I know you'll enjoy this. Matt comes in hot. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, although he's not too cool today. He is hot. Uh, for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds, and he's coming in hot because he wrote one of the hottest uh, blog posts he's done recently around governance lessons from the Postal Service. So, Matt, now that I've got you all wired and riled up, why don't you tell us what can we learn from this uh, outside the political sphere? Yeah, well, I mean, certainly the what's gone on with the Postal Service for the last probably about two weeks or so, it's getting a lot of news because of the political implications, and we'll have to review those to fully understand why the Postal Service is such a good lesson for corporate governance outside of the public sphere. But political dimension aside, um, there are probably at least three big lessons about dysfunction in the Postal Service right now that I think could afflict many different large organizations. So even if uh, you are not in the government sector and you're in the private sector, any large organization could suffer from the same sort of battles that we are seeing unfold over the fate of the Postal Service. Um, we can get into those, you know, business objectives versus priorities, uh, fights over social media, conflicts of interest. All of that is happening in the Postal Service. But first, we probably should give a quick recap on what the controversy actually is. Uh, so it is this, is that earlier this summer in June, the new Postmaster General arrived. His name is Louis DeJoy. He took over in June. And he started vowing to rectify the Postal Service's uh, dire financial straits. And the Postal Service is in not good financial shape. It has a high debt load, a lot of retirement liabilities it needs to fund. As such, uh, the debt levels of the post office mean that it is working at running at an operating loss year after year for many years. And also, at the same time, the demand for postal service uh, services is declining because more and more of us uh, communicate by email rather than by written letter. So financial service, the postal service is here, financial mess. In comes Louis DeJoy from the private sector, where he had built a career in logistics, including at two different companies, one that he built, and then he sold that to another larger firm, XBO Logistics. His original firm and XBO are both subcontractors to the Postal Service and in one way or another can also be competitors to the Postal Service. But DeJoy had some conflicts of interest there. Uh, Louis DeJoy is also a very big donor to Republican causes, including President Trump, to whom he gave $44,000 in 2016 
hosted a nice fundraiser for the president in 2017. He has given $157,000 to Republican candidates for office in the first five months of 2020 alone. So uh, there are a lot of people who are suspect about DeJoy's motives. Uh, He is a crony and close associate of Donald Trump. He has some conflicts of interest with the Postal Service. He shows up and he starts cutting costs for the Postal Service, which means, and he had been upfront about this, that delivery of the mail would then be slower. And then that reality and those objectives run smack into the coronavirus, which means that most people will want to vote by mail in this election. So there are plenty of suspicions that Trump put DeJoy into uh, the head of the Postal Service so he could deliberately slow down the mail service, gum up voting by mail, giving Trump a easier path to claim victory in a second term, even if that victory might not be assured or confirmed or legitimate. Um, And a lot of people say, well, that's the whole point, that they are using financial mismanagement at the Postal Service as a pretext to do something else, which is to help Donald Trump steal a second term by screwing up the vote by mail that we'll all need to do. That's a whole lot of the backstory here that shows why the Postal Service had been so dysfunctional. Tom, we should note that as you and I talk today on Tuesday afternoon, DeJoy has caved in to Democratic demands and threats and said that he will not pursue those changes any longer. Um, It looks like the Postal Service will get an additional budget from Congress now. The Republicans have said they're on board with that. So a whole lot of this might go away. A whole lot of it might linger and lurk and we'll all be suspicious because this is America and that's what we do these days. But nonetheless, like I said, corporate dysfunction up to your eyeballs. And we have a couple of good lessons that we can pick apart that I think any large organization should be able to appreciate Regardless of what you actually think of the president or vote by mail or any of the other political dimensions here, we have three big lessons that we can take away for the private sector. Matt, you have written about these three lessons, which we'll get into in a moment, separately in different blog posts over the past several months. What I don't recall is one case which crystallizes them so well in one uh, set of facts. So perhaps we could start with Uh, business objectives versus business priorities. Yeah, this uh, is something that I have written about a lot because I think we throw around the term business objectives quite a lot in corporate compliance land. Um, But that is not the same thing as a business's priorities. So what do I mean? Let's use the Postal Service as an example. Um, Trump and DeJoy are correct to say the financial, the post office needs better financial management. It runs a significant deficit. It's got a lot of debt and a lot of, bil- of liabilities, and we need to do a better job. It is an objective for the Postal Service to improve its financial management. The question is whether that is the primary objective that the Postal Service should be pursuing right now, given all of the other demands of its services. Uh, We do have an election going on. It does need vote by mail. The Postal Service could assist with that. Does it need to? Well, it's not required under the Constitution. Then again, does the Postal Service need to turn a profit? No, that's not required under the Constitution. The only things that are required are we have a post office, that's in Article 1, and federal elections, which I don't remember which article they're in, but I know that having elections is part of the Constitution. So we have two different objectives there. 
um, which one is going to take priority? Is it going to be financial management or is it going to be assisting with free, fair, competent and effective elections? Somebody has to decide. Um, the problem is that there is a conflict about which one of those two objectives should take priority. Um, I think I would submit that a lot of corporate misconduct scandals trace back to that idea about conflicting priorities. And in a lot of corporate scandals, what we see is that the priority, the objectives are to turn a profit, maximize profit, or do ethical business. Those are two separate objectives. They are not the same thing. One of them has to come first. And when you are upside down on those things and you put turning a profit ahead of doing business ethically, that's one set of priorities. But it's very different than do business ethically, turn a profit is number two. Um, And we get those things confused. What companies need is to have a clear consensus on what is most important. And when do these priorities shift? When do they change? What's number one? What's number two? Do we all understand that? Are we all in agreement about it? But um, I, as much as we like to talk about business objectives and regulatory compliance objectives and good ethical conduct and all these buzzwords, it's really about what is taking priority? What is number one? And do we all have a clear sense of that? Are we all in agreement about what is most important? And we do not have that with the Postal Service. You don't have that in many different corporate scandals. It's a distinction that's very important to understand because it can have radical consequences depending on which is number one and which is number two. And I think it's been long realized that having a CEO with a conflict of interest by actually holding stock in competitors or investing in competitors is about as as high a corporate problem as you can have. Yet this uh, this case with Louis DeJoy presents one of the most stark examples. What do you see from the conflict of interest perspective? Uh, I see that he shouldn't have it if he wants to be viewed as a leader who can be trusted. Uh, So we know that DeJoy, as recently as this summer, still had holdings in XPO Logistics. He had been on XPO's board. I believe he has stopped being on the board and is no longer getting board director fees, but he did have stock holdings in XBO worth somewhere between 30 to 75 million. Um, that's according to financial disclosure forms he had. And then the Trump administration's ethics office, because there actually is one still these days, I'm serious. Um, the ethics office said he did not need to liquidate those assets. Uh, it is unclear as of right now, whether he actually did or he still owns them or it is a conflict and maybe the ethics office gave a bad answer or it's not a conflict and we should accept the ethics department's uh, the ethics office's ruling but there's a whole lot of mess there that breeds distrust in the leader um also he is reported according to CNN to have traded in stock options for Amazon which is a competitor to the post office and so that's a conflict of interest as well and Like, look, that sort of thing wouldn't be tolerated in the private sector in a company that cared about ethics. A company with a strong conflict of interest policy would have said, liquidate these assets so nobody can question your motives in what you want to do. And maybe they'll disagree still on what the motive or what the priority should be. But at least nobody will be wondering, did you pick that business objective and make that the top priority because that's important? 
or because you're looking to line your pockets or something else. Conflicts of interest breed distrust in the leader, and that just winds up rotting away your corporate culture. Um, I think you know we could go down a rabbit hole if we wanted about the challenges of conflicts of interest, particularly in the executive branch of the government, because the Trump administration acts as its own police officer. Um, it's not necessarily the case in, in the corporate realm where you might have a very strong independent board of directors. We do not have really a strong board of directors in Congress these days overseeing the Trump administration. Ultimately, whoever is in charge of the ethics office there answers to the president. If they give an answer the president doesn't like, he can replace that person. Um, When you have a CEO in the president who clearly does not care about ethics, then it's very hard to take rulings from the ethics office he oversees seriously. But, you know, like you get all of this mess here and it all comes down from the fact that there is a conflict of interest in DeJoy's own um, stock ownerships and therefore people don't trust him. And then you get into all these other disputes that we can talk about. But it just it shows why conflicts of interest are such a pernicious and corrosive thing to have. And companies really need to police against them. The third thing you raised uh, was social media. And you have written about that, I think, extensively regarding uh, the amplification social media brings to a message. But that really wasn't the point uh, that you raised in this blog post. You went just a little bit different and I thought more nuanced to talk about social media pressuring. Could you expand on those thoughts? Yeah. So this is connected to my earlier point about what an organization's priorities should be. And the plain truth is that social media allows the stakeholders in a large organization to argue about what those priorities should be much more effectively. Um, I originally, I think I said that uh, they can argue about them much more viciously, which is also true. Uh, But very clearly, one portion of the electorate suspects that Donald Trump and Louis DeJoy are using financial efficiency as a pretext to gum up and skewer the post office to uh, subvert democracy this November. There is one group out there that thinks that. Uh, Another group sees widespread voter fraud in the mail. That is not true. It does not exist. But nonetheless, there's another group out there who thinks that voter fraud is this pernicious thing that happens in the mail all the time. And the Postal Service is a total mess anyways. So it's okay to work on the Postal Service. Um, Both of these groups can argue their case in social media over and over and back and forth ad nauseum. They can build their own echo chambers. They can talk to uh, their own, I guess, followers, uh, disciples of their views. They can form alliances with different other stakeholders. So you might have Democrats opposed to the Republican, uh, to uh, the Trump administration plans. They're going to try and rally postal workers who also don't like DeJoy because he's cutting their overtime. Um, You know, you can build these constituencies on social media that are very hard to build in the real world. And that lets a group try to hold the organization accountable to its own set of expectations, its own interpretation of priorities, its own interpretation of ethical values. And when you're a large group, a large organization trying to placate multiple stakeholders um, and the post office is huge. It's got half a million employees. It delivers, I, on the 
order of, I think, 160 billion pieces of mail a year, something like that. Um, if you are that large of an organization, you're going to have different stakeholders opposed to each other, different subsets within a stakeholder group opposed to each other, and they're going to find each other on social media and wage these uh, battles over and over about how to define the priorities, how to define the reality. And the organization can't respond to that. The organization becomes this thing that's battled on a a multidimensional tug of war. And so the organization can't pursue any agenda. It's just busy responding to different pressure points on social media all the time. And sure enough, as we said a few minutes ago, what DeJoy wanted to do, he's not doing it anymore because there was such a social media outcry. Now, I'm not sure what DeJoy and the Postal Service will do, but whatever he wanted to do has temporarily been derailed. And I'm sure many people listening can appreciate the the threat here is that you come up with a grand plan as an organization and it goes into the ditch because you can't get consensus. And so you're just responding to these short term turf battles rather than pursuing a clear vision and agenda of what the organization should do. I don't have a good answer for what the solution there is, but I do know that social media is making this problem worse. And I think the Postal Service and the battle over it is a fantastic example of that dysfunction. But we have seen it with large companies dealing with um, products that they're trying to release or products that they're being pressured to cancel or workplace policies they want to adopt or workplace policies employees and customers want to see put in place. We could go on and on about it. But when you have so many stakeholder groups, many of them subdivided against themselves, and then these little subgroups will pair up with a different subgroup and a different stakeholder. So some employees are allied with some customers and some investors, and they're all fighting on social media. It becomes very difficult to pursue any agenda at all. And that's exactly what we're seeing with the post office. Well, Matt, uh, I can't wait to see what next week brings us. This is Tom Fox. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. If you have any questions, you can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. You can email me, tfox, at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you will join Matt and I again next week where we take up another topic and take a deep dive into the weeds of it. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for being a loyal listener. And we look forward to visiting with you again. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, please leave a message on the speaker app on the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.